Welcome to Pitch It, the fintech startups podcast. One founder, one startup, one investor at a time. I'm your host, Todd Anderson, Chief Product Officer, Lendit Fintech. Episode 35, I talk with Sergey Tarantev of B9. B9 is a fintech company that offers a full suite of app-based financial services to the unbanked worker in the U.S. that are traditionally underserved by banks. And this is really skews a bit towards first and second generation immigrants. And you know there are now millions of people who can access the financial system in large part due to fintech companies like B9. You know, fintech has started leveling the playing field, and it gives all sorts of workers, be it those living paycheck to paycheck or what the bigger trend recently is, gig economy workers, a chance to participate in the digital economy when really prior to fintechs and the success they've had would have to rely on going to a local bank or a payday lender or check cashing type facility. B9's also helping to get rid of the predatory lender. And they do that through their Paycheck Advance product, which allows users to access funds two weeks early that they've earned. The wealth of data available today, it's kind of changing the way lenders think about underwriting and the underwriting experience for the borrower, especially for loans that are a bit on the small end of the scale. So Sergey and I discuss how his personal experiences have helped shape what they're building at B9. We also talk about the state of financial inclusion, the thinking behind their subscription tier, raising capital, and a whole lot more. So without further ado, Sergey Tarantev of B9, I hope you all enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Sergey. How are you? Excellent. Excellent. Hi, Todd. It's great to have you. On the show, uh, if you could just tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Where were you prior to you know the, your venture with B9 and professionally, kind of where have you been? Tell the audience about yourself. I've been in FinTech for close to 20 years. Originally, was part of a payment service provider called Kiwi. We, it's a NASDAQ-listed company. So I was co-founder, was running their Latam operation. It's a global payment provider. So after that, was you know I was involved in a couple of tech projects not only in fintech so as a co-founder also as a ceo and uh, for the last uh, few years i was a board member and also ceo for north america for a major european digital consumer finance company you know as a um, founder i always like to ask is this something that you've always wanted to do in terms of starting a company or did it you know, more come along the lines of, hey, this problem existed, this kind of opportunity came about, or was the path always there? Like, hey, eventually I'm going to be a founder. I'm going to start my company. I've always had this itch and eventually I'll get there. It's a mix of everything. I don't have any like one thing which influenced that, but yeah, I was always thinking about, and uh, when we started first the company, you know, back of 15 years ago before we went public. So that was purely inspired by that. We see the problem that how we can solve it. Yeah, I've been working somewhere. So in that uh, definitely we couldn't resolve, you know, that particular issue when you cannot do it somewhere. So you just, you're lucky if you have your team and then you do it on your own. So, I mean, 
the name B9, it's an interesting name, not a common sounding name for a company. So how did you come to the name of B9? We were thinking about like doing something like a friendly and harmless, like in banking, and uh, which people would see as uh, more prejudice with certain you know attitude to certain banks, especially the demographics we were aiming at, because normally our clients coming from countries where banking penetration or credit penetration is not that developed. That was inspired by doing good thing. You know, it's a harmless banking. Someone suggested it. I don't remember some of the team members and we liked it. So can you give the uh, listeners an overview of exactly what you guys offer and the target customer that you're going after? We see that, you know, nowadays with all the technologies in hand, then benign technology. So we can offer people to build their credit worthness based on their debit transactions and the daily transactions and based on their economic behavior. We're helping people to use that data about how they live on a daily basis, how much they make, how they spend the money to build their credit around that data instead of using traditional methods or ways of scoring with credit scoring like FICO, like credit bureau. So we don't do it. So we offer you to access your paycheck much earlier than uh, your employer will pay you. And that goes for free. So we don't charge any interest. It's not as our competitors doing in terms of the any transactional charges. We provide all the banking infrastructure for you as well. So you can save, you can store, you can spend that money. So we provide your Visa card. So in a sense, we provide you all the infrastructure, how you can make use of your paycheck better. And then also have on top of that, a possibility to advance your next paycheck. And this is different from like the early wage access where you can get it two days early and this is a full cycle early. Yeah, our algorithm basically takes into account your employment history. So we get that data directly from either your employer or directly from the payroll system. So we parse that data. So actually we ask the person to provide it offering again for he or him. So just an ability to start using his B9 or her B9 account as their primary account to get their salaries. And based on that, so we see and understand their economic behavior and provide advances, cash advances for our customers, which are free. Is there a, a maximum minimum? The maximum is could be as high as your paycheck. So next paycheck, as we see, because we can get the data also through the information customer provides us with. And yeah, so that could be up to 100% of your next paycheck. Normally, it's like it works like in two weeks, like because most of our customers are paid bi-weekly. We start with $300. That also depends on your employment history. So on the information we see, yeah. How real-time is the data exchange between you and, say, the payroll provider? Because you know the, the example I'm thinking of is you know I either quit or got fired. I try to get an advance to create that bridge before you know I run out of my current paycheck, but obviously I'm not at my job anymore. So is that exchange of information between you and the provider instantaneous, pretty much real time that you'd know that I've left my job? Absolutely. Yeah. So we see every time we ping that. So, I mean, we see your current status. So we see whether you're employed or not. So we see your history as well. So Eventually, we get all the employment data, also your current status as well. Absolutely, yeah. You know, technology is flooded into the, the fintech space. You know, you have companies like you who are able to serve consumers. You have big banks as well. But as much as technology has helped 
people get more access to financial services and those at a more reasonable cost, banks and the traditional powers are still largely ignoring the segment that you're serving, or at least the people that are maybe a little bit more paycheck to paycheck. Is there any particular reason why they're still ignoring it, even though the cost of technology has come down and conceivably they can now serve these people better? Well, I think it's a perception of risk overall. So, and then the ability of technologically understand the economic behavior. So, I mean, the banks are so if you would imagine, you know, a scoring model of a big bank or a financial institution regulated heavily, and then also understanding how the risk would work, it's very complicated to start using alternative data. So it would involve changes to the business model. So I think the business model uh, risk, like everything, and uh, the banks are definitely trying not to do that. You know, they, of course, would try to continue doing what, what they think works, but at the same time, you know... We as a fintech, you know, trying to test new things, how you can alternatively uh, measure and understand and score people. Banks are looking at the same, you know, three credit bureaus, you know, same FICO, nothing changed for, you know, many, many years. So, and uh, we believe that, you know, the credit scoring itself doesn't work in this country and it doesn't work, you know, the way how it should be. There is a lot of, as I said, you know, data, which now due to technologies, uh, super available. So transactional economic behavior, especially like you're looking on new segments, geek workers, you know, never existed before. So there are new approaches, which for banks are just a little bit more difficult because I mean, they're big, you know, it's more, more difficult to change. So you're talking about startups, which are super focused on a particular product. Uh, they just have more, let's say, capacity due to that focus to to change it and to start trying new things. And and again, you know, technology is here. So do you think banks have kind of, I don't know, have consciously written off this segment, but have kind of said, all right, this is just someone that we're not probably ever going to serve? I believe so. Yeah. In this sense, we don't compete with banks for sure, you know, because I mean, they would need to change dramatically the way how they score before. And that, as I said, you know, that would involve changes to the entire, probably even business model, like how they charge what their revenue streams, you know, risk, you know, everything. It's very, very, very complicated. So my guess is banks would continue to serve the demographics they're serving right now. So whether the rest will be left for fintechs to test and disrupt. You mentioned the credit scoring a few times. You know, there's been, I guess, little updates to the credit score, Experian Boost. You know, they kind of take some of your utility payments and other payments to kind of show, hey, this person is is a little bit better of a risk than maybe previously when we didn't have a, a more complete picture. But do you think we ever get to the point where the credit score itself is kind of totally revamped for the current age? It will be more complicated. Like there will be more, absolutely more and more factors included. Even, you know, what you do, how you behave, what you buy, you know, like there will be more and more data as long as the access and not only access, but also how you, all the analytics behind the data and AI and everything. So that gets involved. This goal will be much more complicated, but I think first, you know, we will see fintechs using that before banks will start adopting any of that. Now I saw on your website that you guys also have a subscription tier. You know, I haven't seen a lot of subscription models out there. 
Do you see that product kind of becoming successful? What's kind of behind the thinking behind that type of? I think that's the main uh, differentiator is the business model itself, like how we make money. The idea of the subscription is that you have like Netflix sort of <laughs> style that you within a certain subscription, you have unlimited access to certain key features. So you can then choose plans which are better for you. So uh, we're even thinking about going to implement like a plan constructor. So, I mean, when you, a client can itself like build its, you know, his or her plan with different features, which are important on a monthly basis, and then it will just give you the price, the overall price that the, you pay monthly. Well, specifically for our demographics, it's super important because people are, as I mentioned, you know, paid bi-weekly. A lot of them are still, we have a lot of people paid weekly and even more often, you know, during the month. So they may have issues where they need to access their next paycheck, you know, much more earlier. You know, some of them even would prefer to be paid before they start, you know, doing work. And that's also important. There are a lot of people like that. So we're talking like millions of Americans. If we charge for transactions like some other companies are doing, so that may become a little bit more expensive. You know, if you need like to draw like three or four times a month, you know, something $100, $300 or whatever amount you need against your next paycheck. So that becomes a little bit more uh, expensive. So we would prefer to build our relationship with customers when we you pay once per month, that's a, a flat fee. And then within that, so you have unlimited access. That's our philosophy. And, and the customers like it. So based on our surveys, so they, they really adore that. You mentioned Netflix. I mean, how big of an impact have you seen the experience on the Netflix, the Amazon type company side seep into financial services? You mentioned your subscription model and kind of building the one that fits my life, your life, whatever. It seems as if that type of experience in our other daily life, so to speak, has kind of begun to take over our financial lives as well. Again, you know, talking about like FinTech in particular in banking. So we believe that subscription in this sense would be ideal. So that would be across any other things you're doing. How much healthier do you think people are today in terms of financially because of FinTech and firms like you? You know, prior to kind of FinTech ticking off, there was very much a have, have not those that are banked and have access to good rates and, and everything in the banking system. And then you move to you know probably more payday lender, check cashing type area. But now you have this other area, which is fintech, which is kind of burst onto the scene. Do you think as someone that serves a segment that lives closer to paycheck to paycheck, do you think we're on the path to being healthier today? Or do you think there's still a long way to go? You will see things changing pretty fast. Just because the technology allows me to understand how you make money and you spend money and you can get access to like your next paycheck for free, you know, that couldn't exist if we're looking even, you know, a few years behind us and then see that there are a lot of, as you mentioned, you know, payday lenders or predatory lending around. And that exists purely because of first banks do not want to you to work with this segment. And secondly, technology wasn't there allowing companies like us or, you know, as well, the competition also to do the same. I think that will evolve, you know, very fast. Uh, it's already here. So we have currently 100,000 customers already, and we just started. And then you see 
other companies, I wouldn't mention the names, but I mean, like we're talking like millions of customers, you know, in mm -hmm. the same very space. The market is the people living from paycheck to paycheck is absolutely pretty big. You know, we're talking about different estimations. So we estimate it's 100 million at least. There's this group you mentioned, 100 billion people that are living, if not paycheck to paycheck, then pretty close to it. Mm -hmm. Besides making more money, is there enough tools available for them to really become that much healthier than where they are today without like saying, all right, I got a job that pays me 20, 30, 40, $50,000 more. Is there enough available for people to become quote unquote financially healthy without that boost? Well, honestly, I think the main problem with these people also not being able to access a, a bank grade product is that many of them getting into the that cycle. And that's unfortunate, you know, for them, even more complicated just to get out of it. A lot of the problems in that particular segments, this is caused by that they go find, you know, some expensive way of borrowing, get this money that it's difficult every time to pay it again and again. So with solutions like, like benign, they definitely wouldn't get into there. So, I mean, the only thing is that they continue working. Yes. I mean, the majority of our customers are, you know, between 18 to 35 years. So with their peak earnings, you know, ahead of them. So, which is inspiring. Saving tools, financial education is definitely what the app provides. You know, we just, what we offer and other companies offer as well, you know, some different ways of how you can understand your score. So B9 in this sense, you know, building your internal score so you can see how you can not only have access like to more of your next paycheck, but also how you can get access to other financial products like unsecured credit cards, you know, based on your daily economic behavior within B9. And we're planning to, to offer such products to our customers as well in future. Before we shift a little bit in the conversation, I wanted to ask, what's the best piece of advice that you've received so far building B9? You just need to be, and that's the philosophy within the team. We are super focused, you know, that you have a lot of things you want to do, you have a lot of products you want to launch. So you need to be very patient and also data-driven, exactly what you're doing, when you're doing. So we are trying to be extremely focused on our, you know, anchor features of our app, uh, which is uh, early access to your next paycheck. That's the best thing I can also give as an advice to anyone as well. So when you do something, try to be uh, really focused on what you're doing. Don't try to do like everything. Today, how big is the, uh, the overall team at B9? With engineers and customer support, we're 30 people. In August, we've, we're just seven of us. So we grew quite fast, you know, and then continue to improve and, and grow in engineering capabilities. Yeah. Are you a distributed team with everyone at home? Is there a home base office? We're sort of everywhere. So we never had an office. So we started during, you know, the pandemic. So when, and I'm not sure that we're going to have any physical office soon. Yeah, we are operations, compliance, legal, front end, you know, that's all in California. So we have customer support and some engineering capacity in Mexico and as well in Eastern Europe. Some of our analytics are even stuck in Asia, like in Singapore. So, but we're going to move together mm -hmm. and at certain points, but yeah, so we're super distributed in this sense. 
You think it's easier to build a company when you are distributed like that because you can essentially hire talent, you know, wherever, whenever. You don't have to worry about, all right, we're in New York, our home base is in New York. We want to try to find the right person in you know, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut area. Does it make it a little bit simpler that we're distributed ourselves? So we can just, hey, Tim in you know, Seattle's a great engineer. We're going to hire Tim. We don't have to worry about where he is. We hire everywhere. It's just how it is right now. So we're hiring very actively at present. I think the distributed team, I'm a big fan of it. So, but I mean, at the same time, you know, uh, definitely we have retreats and we have like all the team getting together. So that's where we're planning to do this in, uh, we're getting everyone from around the world. We have like in, in Mexico as of 15th of January. So we will have like a three month marathon for just doing, completing certain things, but. Wow. Everyone's going to be there for three months. Yeah. Just wow. Basically living in the same building and working for the next three months before round day, you know, my personal experience running other companies globally uh, and my, you know, experience from working in Malaysia with four markets. So that helps a lot. So when uh, sometimes at least not all the year round, but I mean, sometimes People get under the same roof. I like distributed teams. I still believe that, you know, in-person interaction, you know, and then when people working together, that also helps to do things faster, definitely. And it's fun also. Yeah, we have just a few minutes left here. Uh, before I get to my final few questions, I did want to ask, you know, you mentioned the banking infrastructure. You give your customers the chance to deposit, to save. Do you eventually ever see yourselves acquiring a, a charter to become a quote-unquote new age bank yourselves? Or do you think that working with, I think I saw on your website, you know, Evolve Bank and Trust, for example, is kind of the, the way that you'll continue? We love our partnership. You know, we don't know yet, honestly. We're thinking, uh, you know, like different directions, but that would be driven by legal and costs and everything. But we're super happy with what we get right now from our partners, from our license sponsor as well. So, I mean, I don't think that's something we would really look closer within the next couple of three years, for sure. So we have just a couple of minutes here. I'd like to end with a little bit lighter questions. So do you have a favorite book uh, and the last book that you read? So many books, hard to, to tell because, I mean, they're also in different genres. I'm reading a lot of technical, you know, like things like, you know, payment system in the US, you know, or something like that. So, I mean, that gotcha. would, I wouldn't consider that as a fiction <laughs> or something, but I was reading like, there was a business adventures as an old book, you know, I was reading that specifically to understand cases like Xerox and then other companies like who used to be, you know, super technological and advanced at certain point, and then somehow they didn't figure out. And so I was always curious, you know, how that could happen why a company from a super efficient, super technological then converts into a different one. So, so I like that. It was Business Adventures, the, the, the most recent business book I've read, you know, and that was very interesting. Do you have a favorite sport uh, or sports teams? Originally from Europe, so I, I do a lot of soccer, so European football, so that's probably my favorite. So also... I was living a lot of time in Brazil, so soccer is something I really admire. And final question, biggest inspiration in life? Honestly, look, see what uh, Elon Musk is doing. I don't know. I mean, I just really like, you know, the guy's attitude to business, 
like his vision, you know, what he's really, you know, dreaming of, you know, that's all this entire Mars thing and SpaceX, you know, is super inspiring. So, I mean, it's great to have that sort of entrepreneurs and being able to see what they're doing. Well, Sergey, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. How can listeners find B9 website, social? It's very easy. It's www.bnine.com, b9.com. Uh, so we are B9 as B and number nine. You can find us in App Store or uh, Google Play. Welcome to test. See how it works. We hope you will enjoy it. All right. Well, Sergey, thank you very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time. I wish you and the team continued success and hopefully we'll get you back sometime in the future. Great. Okay. Have a good one. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of Pitch It, the FinTech Startups Podcast. I encourage you to take a few minutes to write a review or rate the episode. Ratings and reviews both help us to improve the show for future episodes. If you're interested in learning more or would like to be considered for a future episode, please reach out anytime to Todd, T-O-D-D, at lendit.com. And until next time.